0: I'm Tim Dunn, transport historian and geographer. Now, I might be best known for my work on railway lines but I'm also fascinated by shipping lines too. Even better is when I can link the two of them just as I can today. In this series, I'm exploring an era when pleasure cruisers plied our coastal waters, be it the Clyde, the Mersey, Welsh Coast, Solent, Thames, or even Bristol Channel. Almost anywhere offered the opportunity for a wonderful day out on the water. Today, I'm on a quay by the Clyde outside the Glasgow Science Centre and I'm just about to board the Waverley, the world's last ocean-going paddle steamer and something I've wanted to get on since I was five years old. I'll explore her story and meet some of the passionate people who have fallen under her spell and now dedicate their lives to keeping her afloat. I must say, she looks magnificent with her black and white hull, powerful paddles, and those two distinctive red funnels with black and white stripes. Like many of the Clyde steamers, she was built by the railways as a way of extending their reach and of course, taking advantage of a lucrative leisure market. After she was withdrawn from regular service back in 74, She was sold off by her owners, state-run Caledonian McBrain, for just one pound. So keen were they that she'd be saved for the nation. Since then, she's been run more or less continuously by the Paddle Steamer Preservation Society. She's become an icon for the country and rightly been called the People's Paddle Steamer. So, let's get on board and find out more. Now I'm here with Ian Quinn, who has written extensively about UK pleasure steamers, a lifelong enthusiast of the Waverley and someone that's even had the privilege to be part of her crew. Ian, tell us a little bit about Waverley's history. Well,
1: the Waverley was built just after the war for the London and North Eastern Railway as the last of their Clyde steamers.
0: But isn't it interesting, the fact that the Waverley is such an old design, yet it was actually being built in the
1: 1940s? Well, she was designed in 1938 and shelved because of the Second World War. And the drawings were pulled off the shelf and dusted off straight away in early
0: 1946. So she's already an anachronism, I suppose. She was a part of a previous age and getting built in a modern era. Indeed. Now, before we go off exploring around this ship, can you tell us, what was a day out on the Waverley like?
1: Well, the Waverley would leave Craig and Dorn. She would head off down to Dunoon, come up to a wee village called An Ellen in the Cowell Coast, up the lochs, calling it Loch and Arriker, where the passengers had the opportunity to link into the paddle steamer Loch Lomond. Brilliant.
0: How many other excursion steamers were active on the Clyde in those days? In high summer, some
1: 19 steamers were in service with many thousands of passengers in transit at any one time. The Waverley was just one of a number of these. Day in, day out, they connected communities and rail terminals like Guruk, Weems Bay, Fairleigh and
0: Well, we've got an archive clip that illustrates the sheer scale of activity. Actor and steamer enthusiast Bill Patterson reads from wonderful captain's memoirs on a busy summer's day.
2: It was the height of the Glasgow Fair holiday and there were easily 1,200 people on board, with the main promenade deck packed with sunseekers. We were just leaving to noon when two little old ladies approached me. Does this boat go to Millport, Captain? No, I replied. You'll, you'll need to change at Largs, but don't worry, it's an easy connection. Board the boat lying ahead of us at the pier, and she'll take you over. Simple. Or oh, so I thought. As we headed into Largs, there were easily 250 people jam-packed on the dockside, eagerly waiting to rush on and try to grab a seat on deck. On glancing to the rear, I also estimated we had about a hundred passengers wanting to get off at Largs, including the little old ladies. As always on busy summer days, we used two gangways, the forward one for boarding and the aft for disembarking passengers. Keeping to schedule mattered, and so no more than five minutes later, we were steaming off once more, now heading non-stop for air. Walking through the tea room, I was surprised to see one of the ladies still there. She came up to me and she said, "'Oh, why didn't you tell us you were coming on this boat too, Captain?' I didn't know what to say. They were obviously on the wrong boat. I could only imagine they had been swept off our rear gangway with the disembarking crowds and swept back up onto our forward gangway, together with all the other new passengers that had been waiting for us on the pier.' They were back aboard, precisely where they had started, and still headed for air. The captain in that excerpt was talking
0: about the late 50s and early 60s, but then everything began to change. People had more choices, and one by one, the old paddle steamers were withdrawn and sold off, often for scrap. So the Waverley is a true survivor. Well, I'm now up on the bridge with Captain Dominic McCall, who I'm pleased to say isn't just the Waverley's captain, but is also a qualified steam train driver. He must be the luckiest person in the world. I mean, this bridge on the Waverley is a wonderful world. All around me is gleaming brass, and I can see a speaking tube and a mechanical telegraph ringing down orders to the engine room, but also it's got all the modern tech too. And what I have to say, is a proper ship's wheel. Now, Dominic, what is the main challenge in handling a ship like this compared to, let's say, a more conventional vessel?
3: Well, there are quite a few differences, but a key one is that a paddle steamer has a much wider turning circle. So it's a bit less maneuverable than a modern ship. But paddle steamers do have one key advantage. They're able to operate in very shallow waters, which allows the ship to call in at piers that other ships can't manage. Dominic, tell me, why on earth did you decide to become captain
0: of a paddle steamer?
3: <laughs> That's a very interesting question, really. I mean, I've always had a love of steam, and I have my nautical qualifications, so why not combine the two and become a captain on a steamship? I happened to see on the website they are advertising for a master, so I thought, why not apply? And here I am. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What's it like, though, being the captain of this great ship, this icon?
3: It's a privilege. It's an honour. It's just a remarkable job really in all respects. There's some days it's the best job in the world and there's other days you're scratching your head thinking why did I take this on <laughs> to be honest.
0: <laughs> Let's focus on the nice bits of the job. What do you really love about being captain of this ship? I
3: think. The best thing is when the weather's played ball, the ship's behaved itself, and you get to the end of the day, you've got a ship full of people, and you see them all getting off, all smiling faces. That's it, right?
0: It's about giving people a great day
3: out. That's it, absolutely.
0: So coming down now from the bridge, this is what it's all about. Passengers enjoying themselves out the open deck. And listen, down there, you can hear the paddles just thrashing through the water. There's a sound that is so rare to hear today, and you get it here out on the sea on the Weaverly. Now, this is a particular highlight of my trip. I'm standing on the control gantry of the Waverley's engine room. Now in front of me are these incredible pistons going in and out, and these great big crankshafts whizzing around. Oh my word shining brightly and it's just thrashing around like a great big dinosaur in front of it it's quite extraordinary now originally this was all coal-fired but now it's running on oil it's also one of the great pleasures of a trip on the Waverley nowadays a working environment like this would be closed off to the public you think but these engines were built to be seen and built to be enjoyed Now, I'm alongside the chief engineer here, Tim Jenkins, and Tim, this is such a wonderful sight. Can you explain to me a bit about these engines?
4: Yeah, what we're looking at here is an inclined triple expansion marine engine. So, unlike a normal engine where the cylinder heads are on the top, this one has been rotated around so that the cylinder heads are below the horizontal. This was because the ship was designed with a very shallow draft, so inclining the engine meant that we could fit it in. What other ships have you been engineering? So I've sailed on everything from sort of very rusty old tramp cargo ships, big container ships, bolt carriers, and then on the passenger ships, all sorts of cruise ships. So as far as I'm aware, I'm the only chief engineer to have sailed on Queen Mary 2. The world's only transatlantic passenger liner and the Waverley the world's only seagoing paddle steamer what amazes me as a professional engineer is we've got something that was built in 1947 before the days of computers and calculators with some old guys with slide rules and all the rest of it. And they've got all this equipment, all these pieces of metal working in such fantastic precision. And this engine, as I say, is 75 years old and still operating as well as it did on the day it was built. But Tim, uh, what a job.
0: I genuinely, I am so jealous of what you get to do. So I've got the opportunity now to pop in and speak with Aoife Charles, who is the chief steward. So Aoife, What is it actually like having to run the operations on this, on such a historic vessel? It's brilliant. It's quite intense at times, you know, like it carries so many people. Then we also have to look after our crew and making sure everyone's getting fed and watered. It's a lot. There's a lot of complications then of making sure you can get all your deliveries on time and keeping everything stocked, but then you have no storage space. We just have little cubby holes where you have to keep everything stocked up. But it's brilliant, it's a great challenge. And what's it like serving as well when the weather gets a little bit airy? Yeah, I'm still finding my sea legs. (laughs) Now, with me on board, I'm pleased to say I've got Paul Semple, the general manager of the company that runs the Waverley. Paul, you live and breathe at the Waverley, it's fair to say. When did you first get involved with her?
5: I started working in the catering through my student years. So about five or six years, I was on the ship full-time through the summer months. Um, I lived for the summer. (laughs) The winter was something used to wait for the summer coming again. And then I got involved as a director of the company through my teaching career. And then three years ago, I stopped teaching and became full-time general manager for Waverley.
0: Now, what was the first task you had to do? Because... You came back in, what, 2019?
5: My first task was to raise almost two and a half million pounds Tell it was to reboiler Waverley, which we did in 2020. It's no small task. It's not. Unfortunately, the money came in just six months. Um, Such was the strength of support. Within the first two months, we had half a million from the public. Wow. and that was such a strong support which then other organisations helped and the Scottish Government also contributes, recognising the importance of Waverley and the economic benefits she brings particularly to the Clyde Coast communities.
0: Although Waverley is a 1930 design, she has this remarkable Modern boiler system inside?
5: Yeah, I mean, we have modern systems, same with safety features that she's got now that she'd never have had in 1947. But you know, we have to comply with current legislation and we have to integrate these modern systems into what is a heritage vessel.
0: So, Paul, what one thing would make your life easier operating the wave?
5: More piers for us, built to call at, so that we can carry more passengers, which therefore increases our revenue. Of course,
0: piers were built to serve the Waverley, right?
5: Yep. Ships need piers, piers need ships. It goes hand in hand, and we need more piers to ensure Waverley's long-term future.
0: Where else does the Waverley now sail to?
5: Waverley sails beyond the Clyde. She'll reach the Western Isles, Bristol Channel, Liverpool, North Wales, South Coast and Thames. And that's because we have such strong support and she's been doing that for over 40 years. And in preservation, Waverley has got much further than she ever got from her original builder's route.
0: And of course, no other paddle steamer can return to those places because you are the last ocean-going paddle steamer.
5: Yep, she is the sole survivor and the last that can offer this sort of excursion.
0: Well, I'm nearing the end of what's been a truly fabulous trip. I mean, it's been terrific. We're just heading into the Pier at Larks, a traditional seaside resort on the Ayrshire coast, about 30 miles from Glasgow by road, or about two and a half hours on the scenic route downriver by paddle steamer. There's a big crowd waiting to join, but I'm getting off here, sadly, and doing what hundreds of thousands of visitors have done before me. I'm off for an ice cream at Nardini's, the magnificent Art Deco Café that dominates the seafront. And then I'm catching the train back to Glasgow. Join me next time when we're off to find out about a true favourite of the Thames and a hero of Dunkirk, the Medway Queen.
3: Stormy Weather is a Bell Media production. Supported by the Audio Content Fund.